Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. you're his. So if you don't hear anything that I talk about tonight, I'm going to preach. I'm going to shout a little bit. We're going to have some fun. You're going to respond. This is a Pentecostal church, right? Don't want to hear no rat peeing on a cotton ball in here. Don't want to hear ants walking across the parking lot. Something rings true inside of your spirit, you respond. Amen? All right. But your love tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. God, because there's so much, there's so many times that we get into such a rush and such a grind of trying to love you more and more and more and more, and we forget the fact that we are crazy loved by you. God, I thank you for revealing that to me every time I come into your presence before I even utter a word or a phrase. You speak love languages over me. And I never want to take that for granted, Lord. God, I pray that tonight's message, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Let it not be mere wordsmithing, mere charisma, impetuous zeal. God, I pray that it would have the oil on it. And I know it does. But Holy Spirit, I need your help. Help me to communicate what you've given me with authenticity. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of praise tonight, man? He's worthy. Also, too, AJ, you're good, man. Thank you so much, bro. Um, also, I want to give honor to where honor is due. And um, I'm not going to make any bones about it. Uh, Pastor AJ and Crystal, that are my spiritual parents, can we go ahead and give them a hand clap, man? Tonight, they don't put a lid on a move of God in this place. Because I'm telling you something about this couple, man. I mean, they're heroes of mine. (laughs) I hope you feel the same. But every time we get together... It's like we're going to go as high and as wide and as deep as we possibly can in his presence. And we are going to squeeze every ounce of energy inside of us and give it to him. Why? Because he's worthy of it. And they lead that very, very well. So can we give them another hand, man? Come on. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I make no bones about it, man. Love them, love them, love them. Hey, listen, um, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We got a lot to talk about tonight in a short amount of time. Mm. And I I just want to go ahead and give you a disclaimer tonight that there is a lot of stuff that I want to say tonight that I want to say precisely. 
Um, and so with that being said, uh, I, I'm going to look at my notes more so than I you know, typically do uh, when I preach because um, I, I want to communicate these thoughts in a specific way so they're clear and it's not some ambiguous, vogue idea that's just floating around the room. Amen. Are y'all good with that? So, obviously, John chapter 1, uh, we're going to get there here in just a minute, but I want to say, man, it's an honor to herald the gospel to you tonight. And, uh, I'm, man, this is a very, very specific message that is definitely intrinsic with the care group that we're going to talk about a little bit later on tonight. Before you leave, do, uh, do me a favor and, and stop by the pub table out there in the foyer. It's a table. <laughs> we call it pub tables. Stop by the uh, table out there, and um, I'm going to give you some information, a pamphlet on a care leader group guide that's, um, that's going to be beneficial for you guys if you're interested in that. But I'm telling you, this message is really tailor-made uh, for what we're going to be launching here in the, real quickly in the future. Um, so I'm going to take the bulk of the text tonight. I'm going to be out of John chapter 1, John chapter 13, and John chapter 21. And I'm going to take the bulk of the text from the NLT. And if you will allow me just a little bit of liberty, um, I promise to stay in context with the Scripture. Uh, but if I could add, maybe parenthetically add some of my uh, commentary in there. Like, now listen, <laughs> Holy Spirit, I said, don't, don't be going put nothing in there that don't belong in there, Right? <laughs> so we're not going to be putting to and add and, and taking out, right? We're not going to be doing that. But as long as I stay in line with the scripture, everything is going to be good. So, you know, but listen, you know, I'm amazed, for example, at the attitude of the church that says, I like the idea of serving until it actually comes time to serve. That has permeated the Western church and the Christian church in America. So I thought tonight what I would do is grab from the greatest leader that has ever lived. The leader among leaders. I'm talking about the voice of all voices. The man among all men. And I know a lot of leaders that are dripping with the anointing, that are dripping with leadership skills, that is definitely worthy of discussion tonight, and we can bring to the table, and we could pull a lot from them. We got one, two of them sitting right here at the, in the front row on the right side. But tonight I want to pull from a man named Jesus and see what he has to say about serving tonight. So John chapter 1 uh, beginning in verse 1, and it says this. John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. Everybody say, existed. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, so, and it was just before the Passover feast. Yeah, there we go. He existed before in the beginning with God. Go to the next verse. Next chapter, all right. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father, and he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So obviously it was just before the Passover feast, that is the, last, uh, the Lord's last supper with his disciples, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. And I want, to, I want you to see that there was a departure at hand, like time was of the essence Right, So that the, the window of opportunity was closing in. And then it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to portray Jesus. And, and listen, this was not a failure. This wasn't even an offense. This was outright betrayal. Everybody say betrayal. 
Like this was a guy, listen, I, I'm thinking about this. This was a guy that spent three and a half years with Jesus. This was the guy that saw Peter get out of the boat and walk on the water. This was the guy that saw the legion casted out of the demoniac. This was the guy that saw the whole city of Samaria converted to faith in Jesus. And by John chapter's four account, man, we go into the woman with the, the, the woman at the well. This was the guy that saw him heal the blind eye, cure the leprosy, raise the dead. This was the guy that walked and talked with him every single day. And this was a kiss on the cheek as I pretend to worship you and grab the knife of the Romans and put it in your back. And I want you to listen to me very carefully tonight. Listen, in the face of betrayal in your life, you should never, ever, ever stop serving people. Like, you should always take the high road. What do you mean? Even when they stick the knife in your back. What do you mean? You betrayed me. You've been stealing money the whole time. You've been in the house, but you definitely ain't got my heart. You know what that sounds like? I don't mean to be crass and mean to you tonight, but I'm just going to point out the truth. i got a responsibility to do that. That sounds like a lot of our living rooms. And if that's in your living room, get rid of that speech. Get rid of that gossip. Get rid of saying, hey, I could do it better than he or she can. Get rid of that stinking thinking. Why? Because you were sent to serve. The title of this message is sent to serve. Everybody say sent to serve. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped the towel around his waist. Now, do, do you want to know what that towel was? That was the garment that they casted lots for just 36 hours later at the foot of the cross. It was a one-piece tunic with no seam in it. And, and, and you want to know what it represented? I looked this stuff up, man. It's incredible. It, it represented that when John the Baptist baptized him, he became the last legal and the first eternal high priest of heaven. He had on the one woven garment that God forbid in the scripture that any priest should rip. Because the garment, that specific garment carried inside of it a compounded anointing. And what God was saying to the priest was, listen, man, there is no opposition that you will ever face or you're going to come up against in your life that should make you rip this garment. Because the compounded anointing inside of the garment is greater than any opposition that you will ever face in your entire existence. So he took off that high priest of heaven garment. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus, when he did that, when I read that in the scripture, right then and there, Jesus is saying, I know exactly who I am. And when Paul writes about it in the book of Philippians, he calls it the doctrine of divestation. And you know what it means to when somebody divests themselves. They divest themselves of all of their assets. It means that they divest themselves of everything they own. And you want to know when Jesus experienced the Greek word diakonos, that when Jesus left the throne room of heaven as the word of God, the eternal high priest, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the branch of righteousness, when he stepped down from heaven and put on flesh like a man, what did he do? He divested himself. And he took off his royal robe. He took off the royal dignity, his royal power. And he took off the fact that, listen, I am God and I became a man. But then when he was here as a man, he stripped himself again of the identity of that garment. And you want to know what he did? Everybody say what? 
He stripped himself that he was God in the flesh, and he put on a servant's rag, and he went even lower than that because it was not enough for him to say that I left eternity to become a man. Now I'm going to become the lowest of men. What Jesus is trying to tell us tonight is that in the face of betrayal or offense, don't react, act. And how I want you to act is, listen, Derek, I want you to strip yourself of your ego. I want you to strip yourself of your pride. I want you to strip yourself of your right to be right. I want you to strip yourself of, they misrepresented my name. I want you to strip yourself of everything that doesn't have a kingdom agenda stapled to it. Strip it, man. Strip it. And I want to, and, 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 I, and I'm like, I'm sitting here praying with Pastor AJ, and I'm like, okay, because this is some of the stuff that he's telling me when I'm laying on the floor. Strip my, and I'm like, okay, I'm stripping, but I got to put something on. And he's saying, what, and I'm like, what do I need to put on? He said, I want you to gird yourself, Derek, with a servant's rag. Even when you know you're right, put on the servant's towel and be misunderstood. Now, we don't like that. This is not, this ain't a hot message. I could say another word, but that, that's, that's not ethical. <laughs> you can laugh, all right? <laughs> Teen Challenge guys, help me out now. Y'all already know. Verse 5, it says this. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and drying them with a the towel he, that, that was wrapped around him. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter's son, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Then verse 17, the third time that he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Here's what I've discovered. Many of us in the church today, we know that Jesus was a servant, right? We know. We know that when that Jesus came to be a sin-bearing servant, we know and we understand that Jesus' blood was most definitely perfect, and it, he was sinless, and his life was faultless, and he became, 50 cent theology word for you, the propitiation of our sin. Like, that means that he became a sin-bearing sacrifice, that he that knew no sin paid a price for us with sinless blood that you and I, being unrighteous, we could never pay, right? He bore the wrath of God, and we understand that he was a sin-bearing servant, but we don't understand that he's actually called you and I to actually serve. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, be my sheep. You know, I was taught in Bible college that the writers of the Gospels, and it's true, like they all had different agendas, right? Like Matthew and Mark, they both write their books from a Jewish point of view in order to point Jesus, to point to Jesus as the king and also as the Messiah, right? So Luke writes as a historian, and he points out that Jesus, he points to Jesus as the savior of the entire world, not just to the Jews, right? And in each of these books, the writers point strongly, if you read them, the synoptics, they point to the manness of Jesus. He was one of us. But then when I was typing this message up, I get to the book of John. And John, this guy seems 
preoccupied with convincing us of Jesus' deity. Like he, he, he doesn't give us the genealogy of his natural mother and his adoptive parents as the starting point of the narrative. Rather, he immediately begins pointing to and declaring Jesus' deity. Prove it. Okay, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And yet this author, with all of his efforts to convince us that Jesus was God, and with all of the effort to expose Jesus' godness, he exclusively tells us that Jesus served his final moments on earth after taking 12 chapters to convince us that Jesus was, in fact, God in the flesh. He now shows us that Jesus steps down from the pinnacle of the deity throne, and what does he do? He grabs a towel. It's more, it's less of this and it's more of this. Because this doesn't teach you how to do that. That teaches you how to do this. We need to go back there and preach that to them youth is what we need to do. <laughs> Pastor Tyler's taking care of that. He's doing that. He's doing a great job. But he passes over all of the, are y'all okay? Y'all good? I'm going to check on you from time to time. He passes over all of the other human moments, and he focuses in on this one glaring moment as Jesus, the example of Jesus' humanness, and he gives us a glimpse. I love this. He gives us a glimpse into Jesus' life and ministry by showing us that true leaders, what do they do? True leaders, they come down off of the stage, and what do they do? They serve. Mm. Notice the phrase, now shows them the full extent of his love. I love that. Like that's a personal prayer. God, I want, to, I want you to show me the full extent of your love. And he always answers, I already did. How did you do it? My son, the sin-bearing servant, the atoning sacrifice, the branch of righteousness, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bright morning star, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. It's him. Everything is unto him. That's right. But... I was back there messing with that Pura. Don't even get me started on that. I'm like Pastor AJ. At first, I was trying to be holy. We're going to fix the Pura. Man, just speak of tongues over and pray over the Puras. And he paid, Pastor AJ was like, you'll learn. Two days after messing with them funky things, I learned. <laughs> so back there, anyway, let's refute that. Back there, I was asking the question, and I was reading, now shows them the full extent of his love. I was like, Holy Spirit, shouldn't that phrase have been reserved for the cross? Right? Like his willingness to dethrone himself and wash their feet reveals a what? It reveals a servant's heart. So then the writer takes us into the account of Peter's interaction with, after, with Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. And the, the passage in John chapter 21 has been absolutely preached to death. And I'm not going to give you anything new because there's nothing new under the sun. I'm not Freddie the Flaming Evangelist up here trying to just spit out spiritual nuggets to you. It's like, man, I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, have. You've heard it before. 
Jesus asked Peter if he loves him three times, and three times Peter answers, correct? Sermons have been preached on the significance of the three times because Peter denied Christ. How many times? Preachers have often overlooked the term. They, they, they've looked at the terminology for the love that Jesus used compared to the terminology that Peter used and said that Jesus using one word for love and Peter until the end isn't using the same word and therefore not matching the, G, the, the love that Jesus had at that level. All well and good, but I think that we've missed an important lesson in that. It was a lesson that Peter, the one who tried to stop Jesus from washing his feet earlier in the narrative, should have already grasped, but apparently he still had not laid a hold to the lesson. According to the dialogue that Peter is having with Jesus, Jesus is trying to drive home the truth that love demands and it requires action. You love me? That's good. Feed my sheep. Do something. Why? Love is a verb. It's not a noun. It is a verb. Do you love me? Peter responds, yes, I love you. Jesus three times comes back with action. Then do something about it, man. Feed my sheep. And listen to me tonight. The lesson that Jesus taught by washing the feet and that he drives home to Peter tonight is that love repeated verbally, I would even stretch it further than saying love repeated repeatedly, is never, is never, uh, it's, 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 it's not an adequate substitute for service. Does that make sense? In fact, it is the service that substantiates and validates the love that you claim you have. We're lying to ourselves and we're lying to the world. If we say that we love Jesus, but we refuse or we fail to serve. I just ain't got time to serve. Yeah, you do. You want me to tell you how I know you got time to serve? Everybody's life is different. I get it. But I got a wife and five, uh, yep, five kids. I got a full-fledged basketball team, homie. Y'all ain't got nothing on that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Y'all give me some grace here, all right? I'm the new guy, all right? Y'all just kind of, we're going to get on with the get on tonight, all right? Y'all just, I love you. Say, Pastor Derek is my friend, and I love him. Man, come on, in Jesus' name, I feel that. (laughs) But if, listen, if our songs of love don't transform into acts of service, then we're wasting our breath out here. I mean, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Now guess what? Now God wants to work that miracle in and through you. So it's not just cute songs that we're singing that songs on a wall. It's actually an assignment that's on your life, an anointing that's on your life that says, okay, you see that? Now go and do that. The song's coupled with the messages. So most of us, what do we do? We hide behind the love as an excuse not to serve or as a substitute for service, and we have deceived ourselves into thinking that if we say the word love, that translates into and is credited as service, and you never see it more clearly than in the church. What do you mean? You ask people what they think about Jesus, and they will say, oh, man, I love Jesus. Absolutely. Pastor AJ, man, I love me some Jesus. And yet you can't get them to stack chairs. 
and yet you can't get them to stop at a pub table on the way out. I'm putting it on you tonight because I'm going to make you stop. <laughs> so you guilt tripping me. No, I ain't guilt tripping you. I'm so in love with him. The truth is tonight that most of us are more than willing to serve or we're more than willing to love. We're just not willing to serve. Listen, loving is easy. Serving requires that you leave the comfortable and secure confines of your nest and expose yourself to dirt and hurt. What do you mean? We want to love Jesus. We want to worship Jesus. But we refuse to do what Jesus did. That's where the care group is going to come in. And when we get this thing lifted off, we're going to have to butt. I want y'all to look behind you. We're going to have to bust that wall down. Because there's going to be a sea of people. Why? Because we got our priorities in order. Why? Because we're looking at him correctly. Why? Because we're fulfilling the great commission of loving people well. That's it. So we use the word too much. The difference between us and Jesus is that he actually acted out in love. We just talk about it. We just post about it. Oh, man, come on. We're posting stuff to prove stuff, right? Pastor AJ, man, he ain't even got social media. I know I probably should do that too, man. Get up off of that mess. He served Healing, touching, feeding, reaching, talking, doing. We love my court. This is what Holy Spirit began to ask me. I, listen, he wielded it to me before I'm wielding it to you. He said, Derek, you love. How? Man. What solid, this is that, Derek, what solid, tangible, real way do you actually love? Love is measurable by service. Our community should be better because why? Because we're here, Right? Are we here to serve them, or are they here to serve us? Most people use the city to build a great church, but rather you need, to, you need to use the church to build a great city, right? So I have a few questions for you tonight. Is there much joy in the city because of Love and Truth Church, Savannah? Don't, don't answer that too quickly. We do a real good job of serving. Yes, we do, but guess what? There's room for improvement. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes into the city of Samaria and he declares the word of the Lord and the writer says that there was much joy in the city. So who's happy tonight because we're here? Would any, let me ask you this question. Would anybody weep because the door's shut? Or would people say that's just another startup that couldn't make it? And the truth is tonight that the only way that we can bring joy into the city and bring joy into the church is by serving. The truth is, listen, you can't be around Jesus for very long and not wash something. We avoid the stinky area of people's lives and Jesus grabs a towel and a basin of water and he not only gets close to the stinky areas, he handles the stinky areas. What does he do? He touches them. Love isn't real unless it is manifested in tangible ways. So it's one thing to love people that walk in here that are all cleaned up and they smell real good, but what about the people that stink? I stunk when I came in the Teen Challenge. Bad. I had a sack of dirty clothes and a pair of feelers. Didn't even own a toothbrush. Program director had to take me down the road to get me a toothbrush and some toothpaste. Mama showing me tough love. Said, Derek, 
I ain't even worried about all that. I just want you to fall in love with Jesus. And I'm like, man, I ain't got nothing in it. When I found Jesus, he was everything. But along with that, Jesus grabbed his finger when I came into the door as a teen challenge. And guess what? I am so thankful for this. He wasn't intimidated by the stinky areas in my life. And he put his finger on it, and he cleaned it. And guess what? We're supposed to do the same thing that he did. Grab your finger. Get into people's dysfunction. Get into their mess. And help them out. Jesus is calling us to this level of service operated in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8, and verse 15. Think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, and he took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. He was incredible. It was, a, it was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then he died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Go out into the world, uncorrupted, and, bre- and a breath of fresh air into the squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. We are being challenged tonight to become servants who do what? Servants who lead. Not just sing, not just preach, not just shout, not just dance not just come to the altar, but we do this. We actually do what validates this, and we get out there and we serve. Or we come in here and we serve. Who do we serve? One another. Look at your neighbor. Say, I love you, and I'm here to serve you. That's a start. That's a start. So we're being challenged to do those things. It, it's, 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 humility isn't thinking less of yourself. I'm just going to say, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. First point that I got for you tonight, real quick, and we're going to wrap this up. First point is this right here. We must begin speaking with our actions, right? Words aren't enough. Second point. Our greatness skill has got to change. Listen. We cannot judge each other's greatness by your gifting or your worship. Listen, when I get up in here, I just want to make it very clear. I've been doing this. Long before I ever got hired on here. I've been doing that when I came in here. You want me to tell you why I do that? Not to be a spectacle, not for the spotlight or anything like that, not for somebody to say, and I appreciate the compliments, but not to say, man, you just got so much energy. I do that, why? Because I remember what he did for me. And I know who I am, and I know what he's called me to do, and man, I'm going to do it. And I'm not just going to sit in my seat. When I look at him and I see what he's done for me, it moves me in the inside from internally to externally. And I got to do something, man. I got to move my body. But it's not enough to just dance. It's not enough to just lay prostrate on the floor. Because that's where the devil's got us. If we Listen, if all we do is come up here and lay on the floor and cry and speak in tongues... But we don't love and we don't serve. The devil is happy with us laying on the floor, talking in a funny language, acting like an idiot. Why? He got us right where he wants us. You got to do something about it. What reveals greatness and should garner our respect and esteem is our service. You aren't great because you can preach. 
You're not great because you can sing. You're not great because you can hoop and shout, but if you can serve Jesus, what did Jesus say? If any among you want to be great, love. That's not at all what he said. He said, serve. The Son of Man, our example, came with love. God so what with the world? He so loved the world, but that love turned into service. He so loved the world that he did what? He gave. Jesus did love, moved to tears, moved by compassion, but he also tells us where he, he also tells us why they why he came. He came to serve and not be served. Third point. We must develop a culture of service in the nest that then moves out of the nest. Okay, Scripture teaches us to prefer our brothers over ourselves, right? Serve one another. You want to know how I can tell who gets it? Just watch and see those who serve without being asked to. Just watch the one that sees trash in the parking lot and they pick it up. Why? Because they're like, that don't belong on this piece of property. This is God's property. That's serving. Many of you do that. Others don't. If the thought when you see trash on the floor in here says, man, that ain't my job, then when you see trash out there, you're going to pass by it without touching it. Last point. Service is what must distinguish us. Now, I'm not talking about what sets us apart from other churches. I think our worship does that, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I think the Pentecostal side of us, and I don't apologize for that at all. I'm glad I'm Pentecostal. The Pentecostal side does that. Hopefully, the preaching does that too, but our service should set us apart to the world. Martin Luther King said it best when he said this, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't, have to ha you don't have to have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato, Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You don't need, you, all you need is a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love, and you can be that servant. Life's persistent and most urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Martin Luther King. He went on to say this, if today's churches, if today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, it will forfeit the loyalty of millions, and it will be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with absolutely no meaning. So, what is it that is supposed to be our distinguishing mark. They will know us by our love. Okay. But like we've covered tonight, some love and don't serve. And if you love and don't serve, you don't love. God so loved the world that he gave. AJ, where are you at, man? Don't y'all love AJ, man? Can y'all give AJ a hand? Man? He's a...
He's a baller if I've ever seen one, man. I youth pastored for 13 years, so if you see that language, that's actually what that is. So y'all just, I'm, I'm, Pastor AJ's working and getting the kinks out of that, so. <laughs> they will know us when love becomes a verb and we act it out. It's our service that stands in stark contrast to our culture's self-centeredness, apathy, and a lack of care. Our service opens their eyes, if not only for a moment, to catch a small glimpse of a Savior on a cross, dying out, not living out ultimate love. So what do I do? Tonight, I out you this morning. Or I out you tonight, I'm sorry. Like if your hands aren't marked by service, then you don't love Christ at the level that he requires his disciples to love. Say, I love you all you want. But until it shows up on your hands, it's meaningless. Bill Hybels said it like this. I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hand. A hand never dirtied by serving. And shake the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do tonight. Would you look at your hands? Go ahead, put them out. Seriously, like put them out. Is there any dirt on them? Is there any residue of service on it? I'll take it a step further. Is there any mark of love on it? So I want you to think about something tonight. Has this church invaded your entire life? Or is it just something that we do on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night or an anthem service or an encounter service? I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you. This church in a healthy way. This precious couple and their family in a healthy way has invaded the entirety of my life. I love coming to the, I don't even call it work. It's seriously, Miss Julie, it's like coming to Disney World. And I've never even been to Disney World. And I've heard I ain't missing nothing. Hot and walking 10,000 miles. Getting nothing accomplished. (laughs) But another reason is because I get to see you guys and hang out with you guys. Hang out in the foyer. Preach to you. Love on you. Pray for you. Sing with you. Worship with you. Dance with you. Do life with you. How does your level of service answer the question of has this church invaded my entire existence and my family's existence in a healthy way? Let me ask you this question. Does Jesus need to repeat the question over and over again like he did with Peter? 
listen, I, I, I've been in that trap before. He's had to do that with me several times. And if you negated, if you refuted sorry for my prayer life back in the day, I wouldn't have a prayer life at all. <laughs> Y'all get that later. So this is my prayer. This is it. You can stand to your feet tonight. I'm done. This, this is my prayer. God, give us a church full of people who have watered, wrinkled hands, who although have been given all power and dominion, will take up a towel and they'll wash something. They're chomping at the bits to stop by that pub table and say, man, after hearing something like this from the Holy Spirit, where do I sign up, Scotty? Let's go. Let's get on with the get on. So, I'm going to move this out of the way. Prayer team, if y'all can come up. That would be good. If you're in here tonight, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to do no one, two, three thing. We're in a moment right now where we should not have to prime or pump anything, right? No red tape to get through. But if you're in here tonight and you say, you know what? Pastor Derek, I want my hands to be water wrinkled. Maybe they have been water wrinkled, but you know you say, I got room for improvement. I want to serve even more. I want to serve till it hurts. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to make your way up to the front, grab one of these leaders, and we want to pray with you. Could we do that? Could we do that as a church? I'm good with awkward moments. Okay, so I'll sit here with this microphone waiting on you all night if I have to. So here's what you do. Because the answer to that question is yes. This is, look, can I demonstrate this for y'all? I'm not being rude or arrogant or anything like that, but I want to show you how to do this. If you say, that ain't me, that's a good enough reason to get up out of that seat and get up here and let's lay hands on you and pray and let's just pray for the greater harvest. Let's pray for the greater measure. Let's pray for the let's pray for this for this harvest that is not about to come in, it is coming in. So come on, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.